Hi, I'm Chris Hardwar. I'm the Vice President of Business Development and Partnerships at MapleSoft. And to me, automation is potential, potential to innovate, to do things better, to do things in a new, uh, faster, smarter way. Um, and it's also a potential to learn and grow, to solve problems and to explore. And to me, automation is exciting and I'm uh, happy to be part of it. Welcome to today's episode of This is Automation. Uh, today we have a very special guest with us, Chris Hardiwar. How's it going, Chris? It's going great. Thanks, Corey. So today we're going to be talking about MapleSoft, MapleSem, um, and how that's connected with BNR, how to leverage model-based simulation, and lots of really fun things like that. But before we get into that, Chris, can you just tell us a little bit about yourself and your history with MapleSoft and kind of what you do there? Sure, yeah. Uh, me, I'm, uh, I have an engineering background. Uh, I've been in the industry for about 20 years, and the industry being uh, engineering and high-tech manufacturing. Um, I've done uh, product development from prototype uh, stage, concept prototype stage, getting customer requirements and taking that all the way through to uh, production. I've uh, set up global manufacturing in my past as well in Asia uh, for high-tech manufacturing, as well as set up um, engineering departments in Asia as well. I've done a, um, a stint in uh, Germany uh, for an acquisition of a software company. So I have a broad range of experience, I guess, for, for operations, engineering, um, and product development uh, in total. Now I'm at uh, MapleSoft, and their primary software and simulation uh, mathematics-based uh, company. So I, I brought all that knowledge and that background from manufacturing um, uh, uh, mechanics and manufacturing um, optical as well as uh, electrical systems. Um, I brought that all with me to to apply the software to to industry that utilizes those uh, environments as well. So in your role as VP of business development, what is that? Uh, entail? What are you kind of doing on a day-to-day -day basis? And how are you driving, you know, MapleSoft forward? Yeah, in this role, really, I'm focused on uh, the strategic partnerships. Um, so working with other large companies who are doing innovative uh, things as well, and really connecting uh, MapleSoft to those types of con uh, companies, especially in automation, um, to create win-win uh, scenarios. And this is more than just um, uh, where one plus one equals two, uh, it's really where one plus one equals three, five, ten, and beyond. And we're looking for those, you know, strategic, uh, strategic wins and, and solving customer problems. So, uh, a lot of my focus is with automation and bringing MapleSim, our, one of our products, um, uh, to the automation space. So I am uh, looking at cool application cases, I'm looking at tough problems, I'm looking at challenges uh, the automation industry is facing and, and try to bring that together with, with a simulation software that can solve some of those problems. Let's uh, challenge your technical expertise. So let's start kind of with the basics and can you just explain what a model is when you're talking about these models? Yeah, a model really is, it's a, it's a three-dimensional representation of something. It could be a person, it could be a machine, or it could be an entire system. Um, sometimes a, a lot of people are used to models as being a, a physical prototype where a smaller scaled-down version of your thing that you're actually trying to create is, is, is built right in front of you. You can touch it, feel it, feel it, hold it, you know, um, uh, play with it. Um, uh, so that's one type of model. The, the models here at uh, MapleSoft are really um, based inside of a computer. Um, so these are 3D representations inside the computer that you can that you can play with it as well. Awesome. So then, can you talk about the other side of the equation, which is simulation? So can you just give me a, a description of like what simulation is? Yeah, for sure. Uh, simulation really is the production of that model. So it's taking that, that model in a 3D space, so let's say in your computer, and, and making it come alive and making it interact with the environment, uh, a simulated environment. And how that model performs, your hope is that that's how that model will um, uh, perform in real life once it's physically built. Um, I'll, I'll break into like a little bit of an example. Um, 
uh, uh, I, I enjoy uh, air, you know, space uh, exploration and discovery uh, out there, stars and galaxies and things like that. So, um, uh, based on you know, based on mathematics, Einstein predicted the existence of black holes, and uh, that prediction uh, was was basically all all on paper math equations. Um, and then it was only later on that actual black holes were discovered um, out there in space. Um, uh, using simulation tools um, that the aerospace uh, industry and like uh, space exploration are using, they, they simulated um, galaxies. And when they simulated galaxies, um, they found that the simulation, the stars were all flying apart. So they tried to keep the galaxies together and no matter what they did, the stars were all flying apart. Um, somehow what we observe in space doesn't really match up with what um, was, was shown in the simulation. Uh, it was not only until they added a black hole in the center of the galaxy that they found that the galaxy stayed together. And it was only through observation years later that they found that most of all galaxies have supermassive black holes inside. So the power of simulation um, really showed uh, what, what was happening in, in reality. And that's kind of, kind of like a, a you know, for me, an exciting way to, to explain what simulation is. Um, uh, but we've applied that type of simulation where you're trying to predict reality uh, to, to machines and, and to robotics. Um, and that's, that's kind of what simulation is to me. So when I look at MapleSim, some of the, like a phrase that I see a lot is model-based simulation. So is that kind of what you just described or is that different in any way? Uh, yeah, our, our models are based on, on mathematics uh, at, at its core, and we turn that into a visual representation. And, and the link between the mathematics and the visual representation are these are, are, are the physical CAD dimensions, uh, the visualization of the model. So the, you're actually using multi-domain uh, uh, models to, to visualize. So it's an easier way to simulate. It's not just equations and numbers that you're getting, getting out of your simulation. You're actually seeing the model um, animate, perform, and interact with its environment. So that's, that's the model-based simulation. I'm sure you could talk more about simulation and, and modeling in general, but uh, probably good enough to just give everybody kind of a baseline for some of the things that you guys are, are getting your, yourselves into. So can you talk uh, a little bit about MapleSoft specifically and then um, MapleSim, which is a tool that uh, you guys have developed? Yeah, MapleSoft started uh, over 30 years ago out of the University of Waterloo here in Canada. Um, they, uh, out of the... Um, students there and the research products projects there, they created a uh, software to uh, solve uh, um, complex equations and, and you could actually put the equations in symbolic form and the software will compute the answer um, very quickly. Um, from there, uh, you know, MapleSoft grew as a, as a company at large and uh, expanded bringing this mathematics software uh, to uh, the academic areas where universities and colleges uh, technical universities would use, would also use um, the MapleSim Math Solver uh, to solve big big problems. Um, so from there, based on all that that knowledge, we created MapleSim uh, several years ago, where it would use the math engine as its backbone and allow you to create simulations of physical products, physical machines, physical anything actually. Um, and reproduce it in a very fast way, um, close to real time, if not real time itself. Um, so that's where MapleSim came along. And MapleSim really is an, uh, a product that breaks out of the, the academic world and goes into the, the professional and, and industrial world, solving real problems uh, with a math engine in, in, in its back pocket, so to speak. Good. So where would someone see MapleSim being used today or uh, maybe just some common applications of MapleSim? Uh, MapleSim uh, really got large success in aerospace and automotive. Um, uh, I'll give you a couple of, of examples as well. Um, uh, in electric vehicles, MapleSim uh, are used for the, the battery performance and the whole vehicle itself it, from the steering wheels to the tires to the mechanical systems that, that connect connect these things. Um, robotics and um, automation, uh, it's used there. And in, and most recently, I, I took a visit to a company where they were using MapleSim to stabilize tall buildings. So um, the tallest buildings in the world that are being built 
today um, require um, mass dampening systems that usually at the top of the building to um, protect the building from falling over in high wind conditions. Um, all that is simulated in, in Maple Sim uh, before the building's even built. So um, those are some of the areas right now that's being used. So uh, another thing that I saw on the MapleSoft website when I was doing a little bit of research, and I think that uh, other people may come across this, um, is a reference to Modelica. So can you talk about what Modelica is and, and how it's integrated with MapleSim? Yeah, sure. Uh, Modelica is an open standard uh, modeling language. Um, it's the it's really the combination of Modelica um, being an open object oriented system level modeling language, you know, with the with MapleSim, which is a symbolic computational uh, uh, powerhouse, you know, en enables you know a lot of functionality. Uh, takes away the black box of, of of doing design, so it's really an open standard that makes it easier to um, uh, model because um, that open standard has predefined models already uh, uh, with it, and it just allows you to create um, uh, models that are um, more common. Another thing uh, that, uh, just trying to get through some terminology here, is I've seen functional mock-up units. Um, can you talk just a little bit about those and what they're used for? Yeah, functional mock-up units, FMUs, are part of the FMI standard, which is um, uh, functional mock-up interface. And it's an open, and this is an open standard for model exchange, and it's over 40 different uh, organizations are, are using it now. It's similar to S the the S function um, uh, that some of your listeners may may be familiar with, but it's really an open way of sharing model from one software tool to another software tool, so that your model gets uh, reused and you don't have to recreate something in a different tool. Mm -hmm. It sounds like a lot of this uh, with Modelica and the FMU integration uh, is really enabling MapleSim to be used in a more open way um, and maybe help make uh, migration to it a little bit easier. You got it. Yeah, exactly right. Another thing that I wanted to talk about, so for someone that's maybe not super familiar with simulation, hasn't done simulation before, um, another thing they may come across is hardware in the loop simulation. Um, can you just talk quickly um, about what hardware in the loop means and then how uh, people would use it? Yeah, hardware in the loop, uh, really in the context of automation, um, it really allows you to test your hardware, which are the controllers, um, against your virtual model. So against your simulated model, the model uh, that's produced is realistic and is able to run in real time uh, from MapleSim. Um, and you can connect that virtual model to the actual hardware uh, to test control code to see how the hardware behaves under different conditions um, while connected to the virtual model. Very good. So this is a pretty powerful way to enable uh, simulation, I guess, um, in automation equipment, for sure. I've, I've definitely seen it used there. Um, so, yeah, that's a really powerful uh, implementation, I think. Yeah, it is. And hardware in the loop is, uh, is new. Um, and being able to, to add that to your workflow, uh, I think, really unlocks uh, potential for, for, for um, reducing risk and, and adding some cost savings to your workflow. We talked about hardware in the loop uh, being used in automation. So um, what is your view uh, on how simulation is, is being used in the industrial automation space? Or if it's not being used in that way, how should people be considering um, you know, simulation as a tool that they can use in industrial automation? Uh, yeah, I, I, my, my view is I really think that simulation um, is essential. Um, uh, it, it really allows uh, companies to innovate. It unlocks innovation and allows them to save costs, um, have more predictable time to market, and really allows you to uh, do virtual prototyping, to do your prototype build ahead of the physical build. Um, so I really, I really think simulation has a uh, strong place in, um, in, in automation and, and customers already and people that are using it today um, ha have nothing but success and good things to say about um, the, the time that's saved and, and the issues that are discovered on the simulated model versus the, the physical model.
Yeah, definitely. I know we have, uh, you know, one specific use case that I'm thinking of uh, in the BNR world where uh, we were helping a, a customer develop a machine with uh, some simulation tools and they found there were some, you know, physical uh, interactions that weren't going to work that, you know, probably would not have been identified until the machine was commissioned and fully built, which is, you know, sunk investment of, you know, presumably hundreds of thousands of dollars where, you know, when it was identified up front in the simulation, it was easy enough to just change the model and, uh, you know, basically turn it around in, you know, a few days, if that, uh, to make that change versus when you have that physical prototype built, you're looking at potentially weeks uh, plus lead time for new parts, so on and so forth. And it maybe isn't even going to work uh, once you make that design change. Exactly, Corey. Yeah, I've heard that too. And that story has been repeated by several different groups uh, out there. It's, it's, it's really powerful and, and some of the um, benefits you get from it are, are outstanding. More than I, more than I thought. The, the amount of cost savings that mm -hmm. these companies are telling me are, are actually more than I thought. So it's, uh, it's good. I'm happy about it that, that we were able to solve that kind of problem and provide that type of solution. Yeah, definitely. So there's uh, definitely a few other tools out there. Um, so if someone's uh, interested in, in taking advantage of simulation for their next machine or, uh, you know, the process in their factory, um, how does MapleSim differentiate itself from those other tools? Um, uh, two main ways, I, I think, um, I can distill it to. Uh, one, it's fast, um, and that's based on the, the history and mathematics that MapleSoft has. Um, so fast um, uh, computation power, fast uh, simulations and allows the, the controller to really test in real time. And then two, and I and I hear this um, from people out there, from people who actually use their tool and use other tools out there. Uh, it's easy to use. It's easy to get started. And um, actually, our connection with BNR um, uh, makes that even easier. Um, and I'll get into that a little bit later if you if you ask me about it, and I'll, I'm happy to tell you. <laughs> but uh, that's 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 the two main areas. So I, I guess just to kind of uh, bring us home here um, on, on this topic, can you just talk about some of those benefits? We just talked about you know cost savings, um, but what are some of the other benefits that people can expect if they start implementing model-based simulation? You know, as an OEM machine builder uh, or even system integrators, we've seen for sure end users at the manufacturing facility. What are some of those you know specific tangible benefits that that they may see? Yeah, so they they're able to test. Um, functions in the prototype um, ahead of time before they um, were able to test before because of the uh, the virtual prototype that's created. Um, do design iterations, so you could really do what-if scenarios. You could update your design on the model itself and see what happens. You could do optimizations. You could you could um, uh, see where where your motor uh, is maxed out. Um, you could do machine updates. You can make enhancements to your product um, and, and see how those enhancements play out. Um, and, and really, the models can be developed alongside the development process here. You don't have to build something physical before the model can be created, the simulation. You could actually do that ahead of time. Um, so, so, yeah, it helps make decision-making easier. Uh, it helps to um, uh, highlight risks that may pop up on the physical build. Yeah, and I think a lot of uh, machine builders, at least ones that I work with, are already building out CAD models. So they, they do have that 3D representation of the machine before they start building. So really, it's kind of a small next step to get to, you know, the model-based simulation to start, you know, testing out the machine design and, and maybe some of the, the, you know, control loops and things like that. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah, that, that 3D CAD is already uh, built, and you don't have to be a mechanical engineer to utilize that CAD. You just... Mm -hmm import it into your simulation tool and, and away you go. Awesome. So uh, speaking of uh, 3D CAD models, something I've been hearing a lot about um, is Digital Twin. So can you just talk about what a Digital Twin is? <laughs> I've heard some uh, mixed results. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a buzzword, right? So yep. I hear yep. it out there all the time too, um, and it can mean different things to to different use cases to different people and to different software tools and different. So um, it really a digital twin is really a dynamic virtual representation of a physical thing. Um, and uh, companies out there are actually using digital twins to optimize their products in ways that were previously either unrealistic or impossible to do. Um, a digital twin really with, with MapleSim is 
based on real physics and real mathematics of the environment around it, um, based on the actual CAD information that already exists in your in your 3D model, um, and applies that to the um, the dynamics of of the real world and, and really predicts a realistic outcome for your for your machine. So that's why we we uh, coined it digital twin as well because the models are so realistic uh, in real life behavior. Good. So when we talk about digital twin, it, it's a model of a physical system that exists and maybe is already installed in the field. And this is the digital version of that that is kind of the sandbox, maybe is the right word, um, where you can test things out uh, for optimizations before implementing it on the physical system. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. So and, and in your first scenario there where the machine already exists, um, you could you could make your digital twin from that, or your you can make your digital twin from a concept from something that's not being built before. Gotcha. And and the the reason why you can do that is because of the the physics engine that's involved with the um, with the models themselves. You can predict how the machine's going to behave ahead of time and play with it in the sandbox. Mm -hmm. What kind of problems uh, can a digital twin solve? For uh, an engineer, whether that's on the mechanical side or the control side, and then you know for for a company at large as well. Uh, yeah, um, it basically uh, it it has it actually has a wide range of purposes uh, depending on the fidelity that you put into it. Uh, but it really serves as a powerful connection to the product for diagnostics and and doing design changes um, because it's a physics-based model. You could really um, uh, Put that model to its limits and see how it how it reacts, and then you can make changes and then see how it reacts again. Um, on the on the um, control side, you can actually use this digital twin now to test your control code, and that goes back to your hardware in the loop testing and even software in the loop testing, um, where the control code that's uh, been developed uh, can run it alongside and run with the digital twin, and you can see the digital twin reacting to the code. Yeah, I think another uh, place that we've seen it specifically is in training as well, because there's an element of safety if you have new operators working on, you know, heavy equipment uh, that, that it, you know, it can be a potentially dangerous situation. So if you're able to put them into a digital world, for example, with the virtual reality or something like that, um, you know, there's an element of safety there and they're working within, you know, like you're saying, real physics engines. Uh, so the machine's going to behave as if it would, you know, in the physical world. So it's a way to either, you know, train people remotely or just in a safer way, I think. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah. Can you talk about the workflow for developing a digital twin? Sure, I can. Yeah. So it really starts um, with the CAD. Uh, uh, that's the best way to start, but you could start without the CAD too. Um, MapleSim has um, predefined uh, uh, components that you can start with to play as, uh, in the palette. Um, you don't, like I said before, you don't have to be a mechanical engineer. You basically bring the CAD in through an import button um, and you, uh, the CAD shows up, you group the components together, and then you drag and drop the connections. So the connections can be a revolute joint, uh, it could be a, a pusher and actuator, um, you really connect them up on the palette, um, and then you could apply a motion to it. So you create a motion in, in the app that's included in MapleSim, and you could see the machine uh, move, behave, and uh, react to those motions. And you could actually, it outputs, the visualization outputs the, uh, the torque and the speed graphs as well, so you have access to all of that. You can actually really see, you know, you know if, if you're, under designing or over designing certain components of, of your of your machine or your motors itself. Yeah, I think that's really powerful uh, just to get that uh, design uh, feedback loop working in the digital space instead of the physical space. Um, you know, I've seen many many times over where uh, servo motors, for example, are, are not sized properly, and that doesn't get identified until uh, you know the actual prototype is on the floor. And like we talked about, you know, just a minute ago. If you have to make that change once you already have hardware in hand and a prototype physically built, it's a significant uh, cost and time impact to the project. Whereas when this happens in the digital world with your digital twin, you get you know very uh, high fidelity uh, information about how these servos and such should be sized. You get um, to test that in the digital world. And then when you actually build that physical prototype, you, you have high level of confidence that it's going to be right the first time. 
Oh, yeah. I, I like what you said there. Yeah, you definitely have a high level of confidence. That's going to be right uh, the first time. Um, uh, yeah, and it's uh, once I find, too, like once um, people start playing with it, start playing with their designs, it uh, it really, really unleashes, you know, the, the potential of what, what the machine can do. And it really puts mm-hmm. the um, – you can put the boundaries on the machine or you could, like, open it wide up and, and right. add a whole bunch of stuff to, to, to do some different things that you didn't think of before, right? Yeah. Yeah, and I think what you said earlier resonates really well here as well, where, um, you know, MapleSim and, and this digital twin simulation is is really enabling companies to innovate in a way that they haven't been able to before, just because the design iterations, you know, were so expensive in time and money, you're really kind of limited in how much you can innovate. You kind of just need to get that machine out the door, you know, because I'm sure you've already got orders for it. Whereas now in the digital world, you'll be able to get it to that, you know, first state of stability pretty quickly and then you can start innovating on that design like you said to either take the machine to uh, you know its limits or you know optimize it for longevity or, or whatever it may be um, adding features so on and so forth I think it's it's a really powerful tool yeah yeah good so another buzzword that I hear a lot and I'm sure you hear it too is virtual commissioning um, can you just kind of break that down, uh, tell the listeners what virtual commissioning really is and then how uh, some of your customers are implementing it with MapleSim? Yeah, uh, virtual commissioning really is uh, the, the act of the commissioning um, in a virtual space, so on, on your computer uh, with, the, with the simulated model. Um, and virtual commissioning is used broadly out there as well, and a lot of times when we see virtual commissioning in the automation world, um, it's really about commission, like what I see is mostly is commissioning the whole line. So it's, you're, you're adding your products that the machine is actually, you know, packaging or, or pushing through or transporting and seeing how those products interact with the whole line. Um, uh, that's, um, that's not where MapleSim sits. So MapleSim sits where the machine is itself. So that's commissioning the machine for the first time, um, how that machine is going to behave, how that machine is going to perform, what are the limits. Um, uh, and actually putting that virtual machine, connecting it to the control code. So now you're, you're testing your control code with the virtual machine and that's where the virtual commissioning, uh, comes into play. So you're, you're solving, you're trying to identify some commissioning, uh, problems or hiccups ahead of time because you do have the simulated model. Um, because I think we all know, um, some of the headaches and, the, um, some of the issues that do come up with, uh, with the commissioning phase. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, uh, with this, it, ha- it gives you an opportunity to discover problems sooner. Yeah, I think anybody out there that has commissioned a machine knows exactly what you're talking about when you say the, those hiccups and headaches. It, uh, you know, it's never as much as you expect it to be, and it always takes longer, and there's always issues. Yeah, if there's a way to to mitigate some of those uh, impacts, I think that's uh, really significant. Do you need a like a because you're talking about commissioning a machine virtually? Do you need a full digital twin to do that? Um, yeah. So to commission the machine, you you could uh, you could have the full digital twin uh, running against um, the control code, or you could have a portion of, of it, the most critical part or the new new area of the design. Um, uh, you could test uh, partially or, or fully. So the digital so a digital twin uh, quote unquote. Uh, is is needed um, depending on um, the level of fidelity that you want. You can say it's a partial digital twin or a full digital twin. It's really your simulated model that you want to test out. You can test a portion of it or you can test the whole thing. Gotcha. Awesome. So can you just talk a little bit more about some of the, the ways, maybe if you have a specific example, where you've seen virtual commissioning bringing value to a machine builder or a manufacturing facility? Yeah, for sure. Um, we've uh, we've had a customer um, actually um, tell us about their experience where the the control code um, something I guess something was missing control code and the arm swing of the robotic uh, portion of the machine went completely the other way and and caused a lot of damage. Um, they basically um, uh, that they based that experience on why they chose to do simulated um, uh, machines. So um, that alone, the cost savings on that alone, just to see how your initial code, to see how things behave, because sometimes there, mm-hmm. there, there could be some wild unknowns there. Um, 
Also, also it helps on machine updates. So you have an existing machine and you want to make some feature enhancements, um, even speed improvements. You know, can we turn this thing up faster? Um, so we've seen that um, benefit the uh, the OEM and the machine builder as well. And then like the the what if scenarios. What if I what if I change something here? What if I I, I I make an optimization there? Like what happens? How can I play with that without really going to the physical machine and testing it out, causing downtime? Um, we've seen um, we've seen a lot of use cases where they're they're just testing out these these scenarios without affecting the actual machine itself. Yeah, you know, it's a really powerful story. I haven't heard something like that before, where you know a minor problem in the control code that easily could have been found in simulation causes some you know physical damage. And potentially, there's a safety risk there as well, right? So Exactly, yeah. Awesome. So we talked about virtual commissioning and digital twin, the other things that MapleSim enables. Um, I'm sure a lot of people are, are thinking to themselves right now, like, yeah, but this takes a lot of time and it's complicated. Can you just uh, kind of walk through what is the, uh, you know, the, the workload for developing a simulation or model-based simulation like this? And then, you know, what kind of person is, is is capable of doing this? What kind of training do you need, so on and so forth? Uh, yeah, no problem. Yeah, so um, the the workload is as much as you want to put into it. Um, and what we what we've seen and what what's helpful is that um, you start you start small. You start with a portion of the machine. You start in a simplistic way. You get familiar of how how the the software you'll use how the software is used and how that relates to what you see in the real world. So you can have some simple models where you put some components together um, and hit simulate. Uh, it's really um, you can you can have a digital twin created in an hour, or you can have a digital twin created in in two weeks, depending on the complexity and how much you you choose to take on. So we 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 find more often than not that people once they start using it, they say it's easy to use, it's easy to grasp. If I'm a logical thinker, um, uh, that's basically all all that I need in order to, to build a simulation. Um, uh, drag and drop components, um, connect them in such a way, and then the beauty of it, you hit simulate and you hit play, you could actually see what happens when you when you do um, when you do put things together. And based on that feedback of the visualization, you could you can make updates and, and learn and learn from there. You don't have to have a mechanical engineering degree. You don't have to have an electrical degree. Um, it's basically a, a palette to, to and a sandbox to play in. Um, uh, once you do understand the logic, you can you can go forward from there. Awesome. Well, it sounds like there's no reason not to use simulation. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I say. I say that all the time. That I, I find I find Corey that the hard part is that people just don't know, right? Like yeah. you, you think it it could be complicated. I don't want to learn a new tool, right? Um, uh, but uh, you know, once once you start playing with it, uh, you really see the power of it, and you realize, hey, this is this is this is pretty easy. I don't know about you. I'm super excited about simulation. I think so excited that we need to take a quick break. And then when we come back, we'll talk about the partnership between BNR and MapleSoft and then a little bit about the future, what it holds for model-based simulation. Sounds good, Corey. Welcome back, uh, everyone. So, Chris, I would like to just take a quick minute and talk about the partnership between BNR and MapleSoft. Um, so, can you give us a little background on that partnership and, and kind of how it got started? Absolutely. Um, BNR actually started using um, uh, simulation to solve uh, customer problems um, in based out of their application engineering group in in Austria. Um, they're using simulation to, you know, predict um, uh, machine behavior. Um, uh, so really, their use of it really uh, started the partnership because they liked what they saw, <laughs> and then uh, they were getting real benefit from it. So um, we began to talk a little further, and from there, you know, um, really opened up MapleSim to be connected strongly with um, with BNR software tools, uh, partic in particular. Um, Automation Studio. So that's how the partnership started. Um, and we became, you know, a lot of people at, at BNR, we became, you know, strongly connected. Uh, we have a lot of good connections over there, a lot of great people, uh, super smart. Um, 
we, we've learned a lot from BNR about the industry, about what customers expect, um, and it's all been exciting. So um, we were happy to, um, to formalize a partnership uh, together and happy to be uh, out there at the trade shows and be out there in front of um, uh, customer applications where, where um, hardware and software really, really come together to solve a particular problem. We're just as excited about the partnership and uh, we're excited to continue leveraging that, that relationship. Can you just talk a little bit about what does that partnership mean? There's actually some tangible things that happen where, um, you know, it's really simple to integrate BNR and MapleSim, right? Yeah, that's right. Um, and it really starts with um, uh, BNR's approach to, to customers. Yeah, you know, BNR is not selling hardware. They're, they're selling solutions. They're solving a problem and they're building... Um, a long-term relationship, right? And that's 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 exactly where where MapleSoft plays as well, and that's where MapleSoft sees value in this partnership. Um, so the some of the tangible things that that came out of it were was uh, the MapleSim and BNR connector. So a strong connection um, on the technical side, where the software the software allows for a seamless workflow um, from one one software MapleSim to the other software automation studio. Can you just talk about uh, what, what does that connection look like and, and kind of how, uh, I guess maybe from a workflow perspective, uh, how, how does the BNR MapleSim connector enable a simpler um, connection? Yeah, for sure. Um, so that, that work that started all the way in the CAD from the mechanical team um, got imported into MapleSim and then you um, created your digital twin, you created your model. Um, that work doesn't go to waste. So that... So we created um, um, an export function that uh, Automation Studio likes. Uh, Automation Studio takes in uh, very simply. Uh, so you create your visualization on model, and we send the um, model and the CAD over to Automation Studio. So mm -hmm. now in Automation Studio, when you open it up, you you click a few buttons and you you import the uh, you import the model. Awesome. So it sounds super easy. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's pretty easy. Um, and and based on the partnership, based on you know our use of the software, we we custom tuned it. Right. We have software developers here that were were, were tuning it for Automation Studio and tuning it for the application. So it, it's custom tuned for that. Yeah. Yeah. I think one of the powerful things uh, with the the MapleSim connector is, like you said, the CAD comes over into Automation Studio, and uh, you know we've got our visualization tool Scene Viewer. Um, that's that's well integrated with Automation Studio, so that you can take you know that MapleSim model and basically visualize it in Automation Studio directly connected to the machine code running in simulation. So it's a really powerful uh, connector, I think, that brings you know it's much more than just you know automatic code generation. I think. Oh yeah, absolutely right. And we've heard a lot a lot of positive feedback from when when we did. Say like okay, you you actually get your CAD information. You could see the machine running against your control code in Scene Viewer, and it was a really good response because uh, a lot of times I think um, that 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 ease of viewing your machine functioning uh, wasn't there before in the past, or wasn't wasn't as easy to get to. Mm -hmm. So, what are some of the use cases that that you've seen with the BNR MapleSim connector? Well, we wanted to keep it simple, right? So if we opened up, there's a lot of parameters that can be opened up, um, uh, but in order to streamline the workflow, in order to make it really easy for that connection from one tool to the other tool, um, and that connection is based on that FMI, FMU standard we talked about earlier, mm -hmm. um, uh, we really locked it down to have only a few parameters. Um, so you move from one tool to the next, and so the use case is is basically that. So you can take any level of model. Um, it gets uh, the the code for that model gets compressed using the Math Engine and Maple, so it's very um, fast code. Um, and then that gets wrapped up with the FMU, and then that gets sent over to Automation Studio in that uh, couple of clicks within um, within MapleSim. Can you talk about uh, maybe an example of a use case where someone would want to use this? Is this uh, something that is a good fit for every machine, or are there specific, uh, you know, types of problems that this is uh, really good at solving? I think it. I think it's applicable to any any machine anywhere you where you want to see how your control code behaves ahead of time before it actually gets physically connected to the physical machine. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's good, and and like 
it could test a small portion of the machine or the full machine itself. So uh, on the broad perspective, I, I think it's useful in, in most, most all cases, um, uh, especially if you're doing something new. So if it's something um, that you haven't done before or something where you know you, you're pushing the limits of, of what your design is, is capable of, you'd, you'd want to see how it performs uh, virtually ahead of time. So um, um, that would be the most uh, use case for that. So um, can you talk about how that use case brings value to the machine builder, system integrator, or end user, uh, specifically in the industrial automation space, of course? Uh, yeah, yeah. It uh, and and then back again to the um, the, the virtual commissioning hardware in the loop testing. Um, yep. It really it really allows you to see um, um, uh, where the potential issues are. It allows you to have confidence, um, like you said earlier, have confidence in your design, have confidence in your control code. Um, the other areas too, like you can actually show this off. Like you could um, you could run the model against the code, and then you you have your your simulated digital twin here. You could show it to customers. You could show it to um, management staff. You could show it to other parts of your organization um, uh, just to show the um, how that machine is performing, and then do design tweaks as needed, make updates on the fly, and really really quick. Yeah, I think that uh, showing it off is, is a powerful use case. It's kind of, you know, it's not as nitty gritty engineering as the other stuff where you're doing, you know, very high fidelity simulations and design and so on and so forth. But it, it is a really powerful visualization tool as well to show, yeah. like you said, you know, potential customers. Uh, if there's a new machine being developed, you can, you know, start selling that machine, start showing it to your customers, get feedback, uh, so on and so forth before you have that physical machine built. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And we've had um, we've heard cases where what happens if we we turn it up by five percent? Uh, what happens if we change this little 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 um, area right here? And you could change that pretty much on the fly, on, and then you could visualize and see see how that um, see you know see how it moves. The other thing I want to say is that um, we have um, a report function as well. So if speaking of reporting, like showing it off to other parts of the organization, you could generate you could you could generate a report. Um, uh, and you could see the graphs. You could see the, the torques on the motors. You could see um, uh, you could see the, um, the visualization um, snapshots. Uh, we made an app that, that quickly generates a report for you as well. So I don't know how it could get much better, but <laughs> how do you see the role of simulation in in the industrial automation space changing in the coming years? Okay, so before we get to that question, I wanted to mention something else. Is yeah, that sure. okay? Yeah, go for it. <laughs> this is uh, your podcast. One of the things I, I, what's that? I said this is your podcast. <laughs> <laughs> one, of the, one of the other things, um, um, and it goes along with the partnership and us working yeah. with, with BNR really closely, it's, it's ServoSoft, um, yeah. uh, which allows you, ServoSoft uh, uh, lets you choose your, your motors, but uh, we have um, put into MapleSim the ability to connect to ServoSoft uh, directly. So you get, not only do you get your digital twin, you get your file for ServoSoft, which will allow you to select the right size motor, make sure your motor's not oversized or undersized because that motor has um, been selected with the full dynamic range of the machine's performance. So so that, uh, that ServoSoft connection, uh, I think is an important one, and I just wanted to highlight that feature. <laughs> no, well. definitely. And and I think people that, that have been using BNR for a long time are kind of familiar with that workflow when you're sizing a servo machine. You know, we always use ServoSoft, and then when you want to visualize the machine, we always use SceneViewer. And I think the, the addition of the MapleSum connector to that workflow just makes all of those things that, that you're kind of already doing um, in a much more manual way, it makes it way, way easier. So it, uh, I think, really complements kind of our, our standard workflow for machine design really, really well. Yeah, yeah, you got it, exactly right. All right, so back to the other question. Um, how do you see uh, the role of simulation changing uh, in the future? The role of simulation for industrial automation um, changing in the coming years, I mean, it really, really allows um, for innovation. Um, you really um, now, whereas not before, uh, now you could do some fast uh, uh, tweaks, you could do some fast changes, you could push the machine um, uh, further. As technologies um, improve, computational power improves, controllers improve, um, the software definitely um, is there to keep pace with that, and you know sometimes in a lot of cases because it's based on a computer, outperform that in terms of in terms of speed. So your ability to 
to do things and put design changes in place to really solve problems or maybe even even um, uh, create new opportunities with your product, with your machine, um, it really, really exists now. And, and flexibility, I mean, talk about product changeovers on a manufacturing line, right? Like just the, the customization of products out there, you know, from um, uh, having your name on Coca-Cola bottles uh, and changing the line over really fast. I think sim what simulation allows, it allows you to um, develop machines uh, develop mechanisms and develop systems that can really adapt and change quickly. And then, you know, going forward, um, you know, combine that with, with artificial intelligence, you know, down the road, combine that with advancements and uh, even with uh, 5G coming, combine that with other technologies, you really have your digital twin, um, um, yeah, providing more value. Um, uh, while it's created and providing more value after it's created as well to use that data um, to really um, to really improve your your process and to really improve um, you know the really improve the situation you're trying to trying to overcome really um, develop better innovate faster um, and create new cool things. Definitely, very well said. And I think specifically in the fields of you know machine learning and artificial intelligence, like you mentioned, it's something that you know more and more uh, people in the industry are, are starting to get engaged with, just because of you know how far it's come from you know the start of that um, you know segment back in whatever the 80s or something like that. It, it's come quite a long way, and it's starting to finally be viable, like you said, with faster processors and uh, you know more computational power. And, and as that continues into the future, I think simulation is going to be a really really important part of implementing you know AI and machine learning uh, agents into machines and into industrial automation in general, uh, because it it basically enables you to have this very tightly controlled environment. Uh, that you can run at accelerated times. And so you can teach these machine learning learning agents very quickly. Um, and basically, you know, kind of what we're doing now with developing prototypes, but just developing machine learning algorithms in the future, um, you kind of need a simulation to do that. Yeah, absolutely right. Um, uh, yeah, well said, Corey. I think with, um, and the way that the that MapleSim is connected with um, Automation Studio, it gives you a familiar an easy way to start, and and now if you do have simulation in your in your workflows, in your environment, in your in the the hands of your of your staff as well, like you you're you're well equipped for the future. You're equipped to to um to take advantage of some of that machine learning that's coming down the pipeline, right? If if you have an easy way to start, as software evolves, as hardware evolves, as computational power evolves, you you have you have the backbone um, there to to progress along with those technologies as well. What can we expect from the partnership between BNR and MapleSoft in the future? Is there anything in the works that uh, you can share? Uh, yeah, there's uh, quite a few exciting things in the works. Um, um, some of them I can't share on the public po podcast, but uh, but um, we're, we're excited. Uh, BNR is excited. Um, one thing that you'll see is uh, uh, some deeper integration. So we're well connected right now, but like from a software's perspective, from a visualization perspective, you'll see that even more fluid, you'll see that even more feature-rich, and you'll see that more even easier to use. That's one. And the other thing I'm super excited about is uh, Acapost Track. So we've done a lot of work with Acapost Track. I think that track technology is absolutely amazing. Just the fast, the, you know, the, the speed of the track, the direction changes, the intelligence in the um, in, in the track itself, um, I think it's really exciting, and we we're starting to combine that now with with new ways of using our our MapleSim uh, simulations, and uh, it's really producing some really cool stuff. So you'll see more of that coming out too. Any closing remarks for the listeners about simulation, MapleSim, anything? Really, just um, you know, the the partnership with BNR has has been great. Um, it's uh, allowed us to unlock uh, further developments uh, for the automation industry with with simulation. Um, we've learned a lot, like I said, from from BNR, and we hope to um, we hope to see that progress. Um, it's it's a it's a it's a bright future ahead um, as the as industrial automation progresses towards further down industry 4.0 and 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 connected devices connected machines 
I think um, there's a lot of potential, like I said at the beginning, what does automation mean to me? It's potential, potential to innovate, potential to do things better, potential to, to solve problems and, and really uh, connect solutions and connect your own mindset to what, um, what, what problems are there out, out there to solve and, and, and move forward with that. Awesome. Well, this was a really fun conversation. I know that the listeners got a lot of value out of this. Um, if anybody wants to get in touch with you or someone on the MapleSoft team to ask questions or just learn more about MapleSoft and MapleSim, uh, is there a good way for them to do that? Uh, yeah, you could reach me directly at my email address, which is chardwar at maplesoft.com. That's C-H-A-R-D-U-W-A-R at maplesoft.com. You could check out our website at maplesoft.com as well. Um, and we'll be soon launching um, a subsidiary website called uh, virtualcommissioning.com as well. And you'll see some cool thought leadership stuff on, on that side as well. Well, thank you so much, Chris, for joining for the conversation. Like I said, I really enjoyed it. Uh, I think this was a really good topic to cover, and I, I think a lot of people are going to really enjoy this one. Uh, thanks a lot, Corey. And I wanted to say I think you're doing great things with this podcast. There isn't really a podcast like this out there today. Um, some of the, the, the guests that you have on your, on your podcast and some of the topics that you cover really allows it's a fun and easy way to get to know automation and and to get also get to know some of the cool technologies that are out there so i think i think this is great i'm uh i'm a subscriber so i hope the and i know it's going to go um uh, in great places with this so uh, good work on that thanks chris that that means a lot i appreciate it in future episodes uh we're going to be diving into more topics and common questions and automation uh we've got really exciting episodes lined up on iiot everyone's favorite topic, safety, servos, machine vision, lots, lots more. We have a lot more special guests lined up and special topics that you definitely want to keep an eye out for. So make sure that you subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you enjoyed it, please let us know by leaving a review or comment. And if you want to get in touch with me or have an idea for the show, you can pass that along to me on LinkedIn or by email at automationpodcast at gmail.com. In between episodes, make sure you take some time to check out not only the MapleSoft website, but also the BNR website, uh, br-automation.com, and the YouTube channel. Uh, you can just search BNR Automation and YouTube to find that. There's a great video on the MapleSim connector, uh, some tutorials as well on that if you wanted to see more information and everything else that BNR has to offer. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next time on This Is Automation.